the reason why you would think about customer journey mapping is because if you understand what they're thinking and what they're doing, you can set up your your website, you can set up your marketing, you can set up your nurturing, you can set up your outreach that perfectly connects with the thoughts that are inside their head. Understanding your customers is about more than just segmenting them into demographics. If you want to create fans of your business, you need to understand their problems, challenges, and their journeys to finding a solution. Join us this episode as we map the complex B2B customer journey, discussing metrics, best practices, and more. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I am your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Kevin Barber, founder and head of growth at Lean Labs. Hi there, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing great, Mallory, and I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really a really great episode. I'm really excited to chat with you um, about customer journey mapping and the customer experience. So let's start easy, high level. Could you explain exactly what customer journey mapping is and why it is important specifically in B2B? Right. So customer journey mapping, let's just let's just state it this way. Your your customers are following a bit of a map whether you've taken care to document it or not. Right? So customer journey mapping is just realizing that there are predictable, knowable and predictable patterns and behaviors that customers are taking in order to go through the process, through the the jobs, the tasks, the steps to consider and buy your type of solution. And the reason why you would think about customer journey mapping is because if you understand what they're thinking and what they're doing, you can set up your your website, you can set up your marketing, you can set up your nurturing, you can set up your outreach that perfectly connects with the thoughts that are inside their head. And if we're not trying to do that with our marketing, we're probably not even doing marketing. We're just probably out there self-promoting, 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 buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And that tends not to be the most effective type of marketing. Right. Well, like you said that, you know, they're going through this journey anyways, right? Regardless of whether you were mapped to it or not. Uh, Do you intend to help or not? They are going through the steps that they feel they need to do, you know? (laughs) They're going to be on this journey with or without you. We want them to be with us. Um, What are some of the key components or stages that we'll see in a typical B2B customer journey? Right. So you you can Google customer journey map, right? Or customer journey map example. And you're going to find that there's a few schools of thought on this, but it is uh, there are some there's some key stages that that, you know, the B2B, um, you know, thought leaders have considered there to be. Right. So so a really popular one would be like awareness. So they first become aware of you. Right. And then consideration. So like, how am I thinking about you? Like and, and sometimes, you know, we just run through consideration. But keep in mind, like. Nowadays, especially in, you know, expensive B2B, you know, software platforms, implementations, expensive technology that has an involvement, like in consideration, they got to get consensus within their team. That's part of their journey map. 
Like they got to bring in other stakeholders. And like, if we haven't thought about that <laughs> and what does that mean for our marketing, we're in trouble. But so awareness, consideration, and there's the decision stage. How do they, how do they decide between multiple different providers? What's the, what does that decision matrix look like for them? If you've never, if you don't even know what factors they're util, utilizing to compare and judge, then your marketing probably is not doing the right things, right? And then after that, there's the retention and loyalty part. Like we need to not just get customers, we need to be producing raving fans, right? So raving fans that are willing to co-promote some content and 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 ultimately send us word of mouth referrals. So the customer journey goes from from that. Now, can I just be honest? I don't think that customers think like that. Like, I think they think in a little bit of a different way of thinking. It's just a little bit similar, but like, why don't we map it the way the customer sees it, you know? I think they think, first, I have a triggering event. So I've either been frustrated with something for a long time. Uh, I have a pain point that has reached, for some reason, it has reached a stopping point and like, no more, I must now solve this problem. Or a, a directive came down and like a B2B, like you need to blank, right? And and there's some sort of triggering event or job to be done that they they now are thinking about solving, right? So they're in problem mode. How do I solve this problem? And they begin research. I think research is the first phase, right? So like, what are my friends doing? What are other companies doing? Like they'll Google the problem and they'll Google solutions to the problem, right? Um, and then they start comparing the kinds of solutions they see, right? So it's research and then it's comparison, right? And, 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 and in my opinion, most of us now, like we do comparison to just start weeding out all the lots of brands immediately, and like, well, who are the two or three I would actually look at? Okay, now that's when I go into consideration. Okay, well, what do they have? How does that apply to me? You know, what will my boss be thinking? What will I need to show him, you know, about this brand or about the solution or about this, even this category of solutions, right? Um, what do I need to, what do I need to be thinking about in terms of cost, return on investment? How do I make sure that, you know, it's easy to adopt and, you know, are, is my team going to like want this or fight me on it, right? These are all the things that happen in the consideration stage. And then there's a connection stage. Most of us in B2B are doing, you know, we're, we're selling through meetings, demos, things like that. There's the connection stage. So, how, how what, you know, normally we're going to put off that connection until we have to. But, but they're, they're actually going to have some thought of, oh, man, is it really worth it to reach out for a demo? And then they have to go through the consensus stage with their team and then you know, that will help them reach a decision. And, and now we go into that onboarding of, am I getting, am I getting a, a good vibe in the onboardings? Am I getting good results with the solution? And that's when we can move into the loyalty stage. So you could argue those are almost the same because the fact is, is like their customer journey mapping is just mapping what customers are already thinking and doing, whether you're helping them with it or not. Well, I think that's the, that's the, the crux of it, right? Is knowing what your customer is thinking. So that kind of brings me to my next question, which is how do we know what our customer is thinking, right? So what methods or tools do you recommend using for gathering insights into your ideal customer's perspective, thoughts, what their journey is already? Right. So before we get into that, what we probably ought to do is address like like how the customer's thinking about it so we can then do it, right? So the the key stages is that we need to think about 
the the customer is in a few different buckets. All right. So there's there's the problem aware bucket where where a lot of customers start, right? Potential customers will start in the problem aware bucket. They're only aware of their problem. They've never heard of you. Right? Right. And sometimes they've never even heard of your category. Right. So like, oh wow, I, I didn't realize that there's you know, marketing agencies for my kind of business. Okay, well, that might be a slightly, you know, not completely, uh, you know, mature company, early stage in the game, but they may not realize that there's a difference between a, a marketing agency and a growth team, right? They may not right. realize that maybe they don't need a whole growth team. Maybe they just need an outsourced CMO and there's companies that provide that. See, they're just problem aware. They're not solution aware. They're not aware of the kinds of solutions they could do. So, so you got to kind of understand we're we're marketing to a problem aware audience that's not aware of solutions. Or we're marketing to some extent to a solution aware audience. They know there's marketing agencies, of course. Hello, you know. Um, but they also maybe they have they're going to have reservations around that category of a solution. And if you don't have a reservation about hiring a marketing agency, well, then you don't have any experience doing it because most people don't have great experiences, you know. Um, <laughs> And then there's the the product aware. They they not only about know about the problem, they know about the solution, uh, and they know about your product. They've heard of it before, right? And and a lot of times we we only market to that person. Yet we're trying to bring new people into our world. So like when you start thinking about the customer journey, first you got to understand who who are we actually working on right now. And so many websites are only set up for those that are solution, if not even product aware. They, we come in and we're starting in chapter three as if they already know us, like us, and trust us. Here's our stuff, right? And that and that's why our website does a good job of engaging and converting referrals, but it doesn't do so well with advertising, cold market, you know, outreach. Is because we started with product aware, um, right. and, and we didn't even introduce our category, uh, let alone did we introduce the problems that we could solve for them. So the first part of this is to is just to understand what kind of audience are we actually going about, you know? And there is a totally unaware audience, like like this unaware of any of this, and they're just they're it's like the person who just got hired into their job, and and they're just trying they're googling literally how to do their job, right? And <laughs> that might be the most unaware. They're not even exactly aware of what the problems that come with their job are, and I don't tend to focus on that audience, you know, uh, because I, I would rather wait to them get a little bit farther along. So the first thing is you got to understand that, and you got to understand the the questions that are in their mind vary. So so if you're thinking just about you know how to work for referrals, it's a product aware, it's product aware audience. But if you're going for the cold market, you got to realize that they're prop they're problem aware. They only know their problem and their pain points, and and they may not even be aware of your category and how that works, let alone your product, right? So that that's that. And now we can kind of transition into well, what are the, what are the tools? What's the process? How do I, how do I get this customer yeah. journey mappy thing going? Right. Um, into that, I would say that the first step is you need an, an ICP, which an ICP is an ideal customer profile. You could call that a buyer persona. You can call that an avatar. I'm not really so much bought into the name. I'm more bought in that you have it. <laughs> All right? right. And for us, an ideal customer profile is a documentation of work that we have done to uh, to understand where are our customers starting. Like, does our typical customer start in problem-aware, solution-aware? I know that it's not just product-aware because those are really only word-of-mouth referrals. So if you're actually getting customers from marketing, 
They're starting in either problem aware or solution aware. Have we ever documented what they thought their problem was? Have we ever documented what, what they think about the category? What are the reservations? Because if they're starting um, higher up in, in those phases, they're having a lot of thoughts about you before they even meet you, right? Just based upon their experience, maybe working with a marketing agency before, maybe having a different CRM, maybe having a different you know, sales tool, they're going to have some preconceived notions uh, right out of the gate. So generally what we're going to do is we're going to create an ICP, which we have as like a prototype, a step one, like what we think it might be. Think of it as a rough draft, targeted guess based upon our existing experiences. And then the step, second step is to go validate it and actually interview some of your customers about what it was like for them. Um, in one of my favorite marketing books, From Impossible to Inevitable, um, they talk about the 20 interview rule. Like if you want to go do marketing around this and you're going to spend months and months, maybe a year, you know, developing out all of the core assets for this, maybe we should go validate it real quick. You could do 20 interviews, 20, 30 minute interviews in a long day or two days, you know, right. um, and, and go out and actually find out what the words the customers did think and say. And to be honest with you, this helps you become better friends with your clients anyways. Right. So, so 20 interviews to go understand and make sure that your your ICP isn't just guesswork, but it's it's based upon what your ex exact customers that you want to replicate were thinking and doing at that time, right? Then you can map what you learned. That's what customer journey mapping is. It shouldn't be guessing. It should be documenting based upon going to some customers and understanding what they were thinking, feeling, doing at those times so that you can give them the ideal customer journey. Amazing. So I think that one of the key parts that we're kind of uncovering here is that, uh, well, obviously, a lot of the people that you're going to be speaking to are problem aware. They're experiencing some sort of pain point. How does customer journey mapping help uncover pain points, opportunities uh, in the buyer experience? Not even just that they're experiencing, but, you know, maybe friction points throughout your, your process. Yeah, based upon my experience doing this for numerous brands, you're essentially going to learn that at the beginning of their journey, they were not bought into you. They weren't even bought into your category. <laughs> so if you if you sell like a um a certain technology to sense a problem, um so that they can act on it, right? So like a an Internet of Things technology, like. And you're you're trying to explain how your technology works. They're not even bought into whether they need to sense anything. You know what I mean? Like, what? Uh, I'm not doing that for a reason, guys, because I think it's expensive, and I don't know if it's going to give me a return on investment. I'm not even bought into the category of what you do, let alone your little sensors, <laughs> right? Like, it. If you're a sales trainer, it's amazing just how many salespeople think they don't need trained. Or think yeah. training is not effective, right? They're not even bought into your category, let alone are they bought into your solution. So, so you know, what does it help you? We're going to learn kind of what their thoughts and doubts and disbeliefs are, right? Because they have had experiences that have not gotten them the result that they want. That's why they still have a problem, okay? And, and it's not like they've never thought about this problem before, it's not. It's probably like they have not even thought about hiring a sales trainer or buying a solution before, but they have generally discarded it for a reason. It's either a 
a rational fear because they've actually experienced it, or it's more of an anxiety. <laughs> it may or may not be a real fear, but I'm nervous that I could spend a bunch of money on this and look really bad to my boss if it doesn't work, right? Maybe the trainer comes in and does a great job, but maybe my team just doesn't pay attention or do it, you know? And it makes me look bad. And normally that friction right there has held me back from ever really considering this category. Well, what is a sales trainer to do? Win that argument. Right. And, and show how the very best sales teams always have sales trainers. And, and this is the, what those sales trainers do in order to make this. Like you win that argument and that moves with them shorter for, towards towards your solution, not your program details. They're not ready for it. Right. So we need to understand what the set of beliefs are in our ideal customers' minds when they come to us. And we and, and great marketing is changing those beliefs. We need to challenge and change those beliefs and we need to bring overwhelming evidence that that belief is wrong and holding them back. That's how you win people in marketing. That's what marketing is. It's changing beliefs with the intent of a sale. And, and we can't do that if we haven't fully understood what their starting beliefs are. Right. Well, like you said, you need to win that argument. Uh, and how are you supposed to win it if you don't even know to ad approach it, right? This is when I love salespeople because salespeople actually get to have this conversation marketers we have to like anticipate this conversation that's <laughs> happening in their head and we need to have it through a page like it's if, if, you don't, if you haven't really dialed what that conversation is you're not going to win it and that's where customer journey mapping comes in awesome i want to talk about some struggles that people might have speaking of friction points right uh only i want to talk about the struggles that we might have trying to map <laughs> that customer journey so what are some obstacles, blind spots, challenges that companies face when they are trying to map the customer journey? Right. So what I'd like to do is generalize the things that I see us not doing that maybe we should be. And is, this is this is not exactly one size fits all, but it's kind of like a beanie. It's one size fits most. Okay. <laughs> so the deal is, is that most of the time we are we are not talking about the problem and the pain points that we solve, right? Whereas if you start with the problem, the pain points you solve, it's so much easier for your customer to go, oh, this is for me, right? This is exactly where I am. This is my exact frustration. This is my exact problem. This is my exact thing that I can't seem to figure out or the exact same thing that's happening to me right now. And and so so much of the time, we're, we just spent so much time building and refining and implementing our solution we we kind of actually forgot about the problem you know but the customer is living the problem so so ideally what we need to do is we need to back up to what even brought us into this business which was the problem that there's a gap in the market that needs to be solved and if you could be you know the the biggest blind spot is not to be passionately marketing that problem and then the cost of that problem and the dire need to solve that problem and then you know, when you have traction on that, which could just be a, even just a part of a page of your website or part of an ad in your campaign, it it, it brings traction and alignment to them wanting to see how they could solve that problem. That's the first one, right? Second one, biggest mistake, not picking up on the trigger events. There's two or three things that generally bring in at least 60% of your business. Things that come up where they're like, this is happening and now I'm thinking about one, solving it with immediacy, and then two, I'm now more open to a long-term solution, 
right? And that's gonna that's gonna vary across the different types of brands, right? So in our in our um, sensing example, maybe you have a maybe you have a security product. Well, they had a breach. That's a major trigger event, right? If you had an IoT sensing event, maybe maybe uh, a pipe burst, or they had a leak, or they had an intrusion, or they had a a window alarm go off, and it and it's uh, and it held the or or not go off when it should have, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and these kinds of trigger events have them start thinking, oh, wow, we are not as ready as we thought we were, right? If you're in a sales wor- world, they missed a key goal and they're they're looking a little bad against the board of investors or, you know, the CEO, right? These, these triggering events are generally that that part where you can you can pick them up right there. If this just happened to you, this is what you can do about it. Let's, that's oftentimes an ideal form of marketing because we know what just happened to them we know we know what the trends are and the key trigger events uh another one would be you know i told you that in my version of uh of the customer journey normally they begin with research we have the internets right (laughs) and uh and like so if i'm thinking about this i don't need to go in like book demos with companies i can just go online and i can do research i can do ratings i can do reviews i can look up pricing i can understand their process and if this is not easy to find, I can disqualify you for it. Like, oh, yeah, I don't have very many ratings. I'm out. Oh, wow. The reviews like almost look like super generic where this other company. Wow. Their fans really their customers really love them. You know, like uh, I'll disqualify for that. I can't find your pricing. I'll disqualify for that. Think about it. If you were shopping for a house and you saw six houses that were all pretty much ideal, but one didn't have the price, which ones are you going to look at? first? Right. You know, it's like, yeah, the, not the one without the price. <laughs> that one with no price, they're not even very serious. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to spend my time over here first. You know, uh, the stat is that 74% of buyers. This is this is not in any specific industry, but B2B buyers at, at large. So it'll, it'll vary for your industry. Uh, expect to have pricing online. Right. 74%. Do we? <laughs> and, and, and maybe, you know, I'll tell you this. We had a really interesting test happen where. The, the call to action was get a quote, Mallory. Get a quote was the call to action, like get pricing. But but above that, I put starting at, just so we can give them an idea of what planetary deal we're on. You know, we yeah. had three different offerings and the, the call to action for each of them was get a quote. And we just put starting at, so we know what planet we're on. Did you know that doubled the quote conversions? It doubled it. Wow. It's like people want to know before they reach out. They don't want to look dumb and they don't want to waste their time. Right. It makes sense. They know what their budget is, right? So they want to make sure that at least there's a chance it's in it. Yeah. So this whole customer journey mapping comes back to, hey, I'm not going to reach out unless I know what general planet it's on. That might be happening with your customer, you know? And uh, and then a lot of times, you know, something that happens is they you actually have them. Oh, this is interesting. I'm interested in this, but I'm I'm resistant to do a demo because I'm afraid that some salesperson is going to follow me down around to the end of the earth and then follow up <laughs> with my children. You know, like like and and I, I'm a little bit resistant to the demo for decent reasons. I mean, now not only do we have that salesperson following up with me endlessly, like we have AI and we have like they have more data on me than ever before. We're res- resistant to the demo, so a lot of times we we just have a lack of showing what what inside of that demo or that meeting or that consult. Is, is going to be super valuable. Um, you know, something we talk about um, that I learned from Russell Brunson is rather than have a demo, we need a dramatic demo. Like, like that's actually what we sell. We don't actually sell software. We don't sell 
sensors. We don't sell security. We sell meetings. And I said, yeah. people tell the solution. Like, and we're not very good at showing why they would want a meeting. Like, I mean, these are these are just blind spots that we face because we're not thinking like our customers thinking. Right. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, it's the sales uh, team's job to actually sell the solution and marketing is is selling the meeting in general. Um, when we think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of companies that kind of struggle with uh, with alignment, marketing, sales alignment. God, there's a thousand podcasts on that. Um, how can companies align all of their internal teams and their processes, uh, every get everyone on the same page around the customer journey? What tips do you have? Right. So I feel like the customer journey is your bridge. It is your bridge to actually bring marketing and sales and success or support, whichever you call it, together, right? Because you know sales and how they kind of ignore marketing and and, and they sometimes even ignore marketing's own leads. Like that's, and it's a crazy and borderline offensive. Oftentimes marketers just send all sorts of unqualified leads to sales. That's what's happening. Um, <laughs> but what's happening is, is that, you know, they're, they're more in touch with what customers are thinking and, and doing better than marketers because they're talking to them. So right. in the in in your very earliest draft of you know your your customer journey map, you could actually bring in sales for a 15 minute meeting and going what do you you know this is what we think customers are thinking, what do you think? And just be open to their feedback cuz they might mark it up red quite a bit and they might just be right. You know? And then support, you know, they're the front lines. They're making our customers successful. And they're the direct line to literally ask customers that they're already talking to every day about what their what their journey was to get here. And a lot of times, customers love to share their story. They love to share the story. You know, if you have five minutes, can I just ask you a couple a couple questions around you know the process of how you come to find our solution? And I want to make sure that that we are paying off on everything that was in your mind at that time who's not going to give you five minutes, you know, maybe not today. Well, I can, but I have a meeting in five minutes. Okay, well, let's do it tomorrow. Can I follow up next week? Yeah, you can. You're going to get people. Success is how you actually go in and actually help do those interviews. And they can even in introduce co-marketing. Wow, that's a really interesting story. As we get to this result coming up, maybe what we could do is, is, is document that in a blog or a LinkedIn post and like it and share it together. And customers tend to like to be part of that. Like, they want to look good for making the decision they made too. So uh, so basically what I'm saying is sales and support, if you bring them in of like, hey, we want, to, we want to do the very best form of marketing there is, which is have our customer do marketing for us. Here's how sales can help. Here's how support can help. Let's jump in here and do this. It's an opportunity to align those teams. And when I want to dig into support and basically just the, the post-sales experience a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper. So what what role, you know, we, we talk about we want to do that uh, co-marketing with our customers, right? Uh, we want to get those referrals, things like that. Can you speak to the role that the post-sales experience plays in the overall customer journey? Right. So I think onboarding is goldmine. It's goldmine. Okay. So right after you collect that first dollar um, or you're, you're, you might even be pre-trial, pre-dollars. You might just be in that trial phase of winning them. Like there is an ability, they're going to form an opinion of you very quickly. Think of it as like a first date. How many minutes into the first date do you actually have somewhat of an opinion of how this evening is going to go? Right. 
Immediately. You know, pretty, pretty quick, right? We haven't made it off my front porch, and I have an opinion on how this meeting is going to go. Um, so the the deal is, is that um, knowing that they're going to form an opinion quickly, it's it, there's a really great opportunity to do a few things uh, differently that's going to help the entire impact side of the business. So we got the we got the growth side. Let's get them in, and we got the impact side. Let's make them happy and make them our, our raving fans and our most effective marketing. Right. Well, the first thing you can do is you can ask them a couple questions. One, how did you hear about us? Now you have attribution. If nothing else, you have customer voiced attribution. Right. Secondly, what made you sign up? Right. Like, and and then why now? That maps to the trigger event. So I can just start. You can start documenting this so much better. Right. Then what can we do in the next week or two to make you know that you're making the right decision? Because the customer is going to form an opinion of you inside of the first 10 hours, inside of the first 10 days, inside of the first 10 weeks. And, you know, you might do something really cool 10 months from now, but that opinion was already set and you're going to have to work really hard to change it. So why not win that onboarding experience? So, I think that that post-sale, there's a huge opportunity to get ridiculously aligned with your customer and their goals and their reasons. And let's say that their goals are like way wrong. Well, at least you can reset those expectations immediately, immediately, so that you can set expectations you can actually crush, you know? And I think that that, that onboarding phase in a, in a typical higher ticket, you know, multi-stakeholder deal, we're not buying some commodity, we're, we're implementing a solution um, setting clear expectations, understanding their goals, understanding why, understanding why now, mapping out what that first win looks like, delivering it, even if it's just easy getting set up on the platform, easy first meeting, easy first training, you know, like that just sets a tone for how the entire relationship's going to go. And, you know, inside of our program, um, we, we have this deal where the moment we start, we win a customer, we start working on referrals, the moment. And we're not asking for referrals. That would be awkward time. Hey, now that I have your money, who else can you refer me? Uh, not not so much that old school thinking, but more like, how do we win onboarding? How do we sync with them before a key milestone to make sure we deliver on it exactly as they imagine? And now can we do some co-marketing about it afterwards? Can we do some co-marketing around, hey, I was having this problem. I tried this solution. Here's what happened the first two weeks. Here's what happened the first two months. And I couldn't be more thrilled, right? And a lot of times customers are more than happy to tell that story. There's a huge opportunity to not only understand your customer better, not only get along with your customer better, but have your customers help you bring more customers by getting that right. Well, I think that brings me to uh, another question I want to ask. I want to dive into numbers because we always have to talk numbers, metrics. Um, Got to do the math. You got to do the math. Um, so we want, obviously, we want our, our mapping to be successful. We want to know that we've we've nailed it. We're understanding what our customer wants. We understand their pain points and we're speaking to them. How? How do we know? How do we know? What metrics can we use to measure whether our journey mapping is providing that better customer experience? And, you know, maybe if you can walk us through an example, um, just to really kind of drive that home. Yeah. So... Doing the math is awesome. Doing the math on the podcast is always hard, right? Always because math, challenging, yeah. <laughs> math is kind of visual. So I'm going to try to keep this relatively basic so we can understand that we got to do this in multiple areas. But let's just talk about like our, our website, 
Okay. So our website is producing key metrics all the time that give us an idea of whether we're on track or off track. If you were to take your your homepage, for example, like arguably one of the most important pages because it's the one that people see the most, right? Right. Um, and uh, and here's the deal. You can understand whether or not you're right or wrong around what your customer's intended journey is just by the CTAs that they're clicking. Like, what are they actually clicking on the homepage? Are they going to a pain page? Are they going to a solution page right out of the gate? Are they going to uh, a reputation page? I want to understand your ratings and reviews. Are they going to a pricing page? Like, what is their question, right? So the first thing you could do is you can take a look at what the click-through rates are on various CTAs, right? If you're using a tool like we use, like a HubSpot, that's not hard, okay? Um, you can understand the bounce rate of that homepage. You can understand the exit rate of that homepage, right? To get an idea of the homepage's performance overall. But once you understand those click-throughs, you'll know what percent is going to a page around their pains, around their frustrations, around their problems, if such a page exists. And maybe maybe you do that test with that homepage CTA and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm sending, like I put up the most mediocre page ever just to put the CTA up and you realize you're getting tons of clicks. Now you got to build out that page or maybe you're not getting any clicks. Maybe you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I'm glad I only made a quick proof of concept of this pains page because that's not their pain. Right. You know, um, it, you could have a warm page, which is thinking about their your positioning, the differentiation, um, you know, the process that you have and what number of people are clicking on that. They want to understand your category and your approach to that category. And then, you know, of course, you're going to have people clicking on your 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 product page, which where you're going to have proof of results, your ratings, your reviews. Um, and and you can understand what what temperature is your audience in the first place. Right. And of course, on your homepage, you should probably have the directly pass go button. Let's go straight to the end and book a book a demo. And you can know what percentage of your audience is ready for that. Like those are just a couple things that you can learn just from one page of your website. So is that okay for the math section? Because we could go a lot farther and make our own podcast on it. But like just the homepage can tell you a lot around where your your potential buyers are. The people you're bringing in are in their buyer journey. Right. It can be that kind of uh, forgive the the pun here based on the cold, warm, hot, but the temperature check, right? Of your audience. Exactly right. <laughs> so I want to also kind of go into another example, though, uh, a more specific example. Do you have any examples of brands, businesses um, in the B2B space that you think are just absolutely nailing the customer journey and enhancing the customer experience? And if so, can you tell us about them and why their efforts are working? Yeah, so I do, but I want to first point out a huge mistake. So a huge mistake, in my opinion, is picking a market leader of some category and trying to imitate their market marketing. Because if you're not a market leader in your category, they're not going to look at you the same way. So if you want to pick out what Uber is doing, you want to pick out what HubSpot is doing, you want to pick out what Salesforce, Keto is doing, right? And you want to you want to you want to pick out like what Tesla? Oh, that's the ultimate example. What is Tesla doing? What is Apple doing? Right. Uh, and you're going to do that exact same thing in your marketing. Keep in mind, you're not where they are. You know, I just named off some very billion dollar companies and, yeah. and, 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 and a trillion dollar company we threw in there for fun too. Okay. So like the, the deal is, is like they, they're going to talk to their audience at a different temperature based upon their awareness inside of the world, 
you know, um, as, as being a household name. So that's the first mistake when we start looking from cust- from other companies. However, there are some companies that have done a couple things really, really well, which is worth taking a look at. So if you take a look at ClickFunnels, you can go to clickfunnels.com. They are so good at driving you directly into your job to be done. It's a platform. It does a lot of things, right? And they know that they're, they're not going to try to sell you on a platform. They're going to try to sell you on that thing you're trying to do. So if you go into their navigation, I think it's a masterful example of how to drill your customer in to the exact thing they're looking to do. Are you trying to launch webinars? You're trying to do, you know, um, are you trying to do upsells after you win a first purchase? Are you trying to do lead nurturing? Are you trying to launch a membership site? Are you trying to have, you know, services and coaching? What are you trying to do? Because we can help you do that, right? And then it goes directly in to the problems and how hard it is to launch these kinds of things, how hard it is to launch a membership, how hard it is to have like a whole bunch of tech debt and having like 15 different tools for 15 different things and 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 make the argument of why a software like a ClickFunnels can become that, that hub for certain kinds of businesses, right? And they call out who their customer is and they show examples incredibly well. ClickFunnels does a good job, right? Uh, HubSpot, I think they do amazing job and marketing to the unaware. So much so that no one's unaware anymore. <laughs> uh, like, who who in the B2B space hasn't heard of HubSpot, right? And and they started, they started solving for sales problems and making sales content and becoming known in sales before they even had a robust sales solution. They just had a couple little add-on tools, but they knew where they were going. And they, they have done so good on just the awareness of being known for being an insightful company around the core things that they do, right? And then like Slack, Slack has always done a really good job at two things, in my opinion. One, stating the problem they solve. They have always done a great job of marketing why, why they need to stop using email and then they need to start using team communication tools like a Slack, right? So even when they were crossing the billion dollar mark, they were still making the case of why why you need to shift away from email, which I think like they had even in their early days, I think it's a great model for companies to follow. And they also have done an amazing job in activation. It's never been easier to get set up with Slack. They made it to where people just get invited into different Slack channels of different companies, right? If you're if you're a vendor, if you're, you know, an agency, if you know, sometimes even as a customer, we're gonna get you set up in Slack. And uh and they made it easy to just their tool just spreads, you know? And uh, so like, those are a couple things that we can think about and model, you know, how we're becoming problem aware, more aware, activation, how we can help with the jobs to be done, what the customer's thinking and needing. These customers crushed it. These brands crushed it. Yeah. And I mean, in your opinion, what exactly is it? Like, why are these efforts so impactful from these brands? Like if you had to narrow it down to a kernel. Right. So there's a, there's kind of a famous marketing quote, which is a, a confused mind always says no. So if you can't if you can't get them exactly what they're thinking, you can't tap into that. The chances of the balance is incredibly higher, and you can just go into the pages that you have with high bounce rates, high exit rates, and you can realize we're not tapping into what they're thinking because we're losing them somewhere on this page, right? So either something on the page is wrong, or something is not on the page that needs to be. Right. Excellent. Well, Kevin, we've gotten into some really, really great and fascinating stuff here. Um, but I would just like to dig for one last one last nugget. 
Uh, so what parting advice would you give to someone if we have a listener out there that is just getting started mapping their B2B customer journeys? Right. If I could give you just one piece of advice, it's just to get that ideal customer profile, aka your persona, aka your avatar, whatever you wish to call it, get that right first. But don't do it in guessware. Like, we're just going to map it and go with it. Do it in, like, customer aware. So go out and actually do the interviews. To at least have support or sales do some interviews to understand, like, does this stand up? Does this hold up? Because otherwise, you're going to go invest months of marketing efforts into building something that may not even be right. And and if I can throw on one for extra cents, like two, two cents extra, it's to start in the pain lane. So many more customers are problem aware. Um, and they want to, they want to hear that you solve that problem. Um, and, and, and like Ash Moria says, you know, like, like you got into your business because of this problem. Why don't we like re reconnect with our love of that problem? Our, that problem gives us a reason to exist. <laughs> so it, let's love that problem and market the heck out of that problem. It, it's a great way to, to bring in interest and curiosity about how you're solving it. So I think that that's the deal. Um, the brands that, that do that well, they go farther than their competition, whether it's ratings, reviews, having a more dramatic demo. Uh, these are all forms of differentiation that make you stand out that make people want to put you on their short list. Incredible. Incredible. I think that wraps us up. Um, so thank you so much, Kevin, for chatting with me today about customer journey mapping and how these processes can improve customer experiences in B2B. This was a fun one. Thanks for listening, guys. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss one of our episodes. And take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast application of choice. Until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.